will you marry me? Those are the words that the producer of either The Bachelor or The Bachelorette hope that one of the individuals will ask another. So the question is, are you one out of five, approximately five million people who watch either The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? And it is your hope that they will actually get engaged by the end of the show? If you are, why? I mean, honestly, how realistic that just in a matter of a few months, individuals can go from complete strangers to willing to be in love and marry one another? Well, I don't know the answer to that, but the topic we're looking at is marriage and a professional in this area who has now been married for how many years, you know? 26? 26 years. That makes her a professional, in my opinion. <laughs> professional? Prof expert? An expert. Professional. <laughs> in, in, you do okay. get paid to be married, don't you? Paid? Yes. Depends on what you're talking Well, yeah, in some ways, yes. Exactly. How Welcome. many years have you been married? How many years have I been married? 37. Well, then you're the expert here. Well, yeah, but I don't get paid for it. You don't get paid for it? No, I pay my wife to stay married to me. <laughs> wow. That's how it works? That's how you get to 37? Yeah. yeah you no. just pay each other But off? do you watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? I do not. You don't watch it. Neither do I. But no. I find, I mean, it's, it's making millions. It just seems so superficial. And that is the question we want to look at today, is this whole idea of marriage. Mm -hmm. And... Is it out of vogue? Is it no longer viable? Is it uh, something that is in the past? Will we as a society move on from it? Or will we come back to it? Who knows? You don't know? I don't. Uh, what a shame. Sorry, but it doesn't look good. Yeah, but what's, read. what's amazing is in 1970, Bill Nelson wrote a sermon entitled mm, yes. Marital Myths and Modern Man. <laughs> and I find that some of those ideas are quite relevant still today. And that's what we're going to be looking at is this okay. in our monologue. We're going to be looking at this idea, a perspective from the 1970s. That's 50 years ago. Oh, Wow. Right. Yeah. And how relevant is that for us today? Hmm. So with that in mind, we're going to take a short little break. Okay. And we'll be back with our monologue. Great. Till death do us part. I don't know how many times I've said that in, for couples who are wanting to get married, and they want to use the traditional vows. And so part of that is, till death do us part. Every time they ask me to do that, and I listen to them, I kind of cringe, because I wonder in my mind, are they going to be one out of the two that will end up divorced? So they will stand in front of me, they will stand in front of a large group of people, and they will say, yes, I do, till death do us part. Half of them are lying. Well, maybe not lying, but their promise is not kept. So there tends to be a lot of broken promises when it comes around those words. So instead, what I tend to do is I tend to look at the idea of 
not being a promise, but, but rather being a sense of intention? Is that their intent is to be married? Are they serious about the commitment that they're going to make? Some people would disagree with me and say that maybe I am somehow downplaying the sanctity of marriage. Well, perhaps I am. But with more and more couples choosing not to get married, it is something that I think we need to stop and re-examine again. One group that values marriage is Christians. A large portion of Christians speak about the importance of the family, the sanctity of marriage. And yet what I find amazing is these same Christians are the ones who see the cultural issues of our society not bringing up marriage. Instead, it's a lot about sex. When they do talk about marriage, it's what they oppose. They oppose same-sex marriage. They also talk about having sex outside of marriage as being a sin. And then on top of that, the idea of abortion comes into play. But what, again, what I find amazing is that if you read the Bible, you'll find that the biblical case against the sex outside of marriage, homosexuality, abortion, all of them, the evidence tends to be somewhat sparse. And those places that do talk about it, it's questionable as far as interpretation, what is the best way to understand it? But yet, when it comes to divorce and remarriage, we get some of the most explicit comments attributed to Jesus. In the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, there's a story where Jesus is leaving Galilee and he's confronted with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees ask this question, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Now again, that's interesting is because some people would say that that is sexist, but a woman didn't have a right to divorce. It was only for a man to make that choice. So they asked Jesus this question because they're trying to test him. Uh, Jesus, as according to the Gospels, always seems to kind of read what people are up to. And Jesus replies in a typical Jewish answer. Haven't you read, Jesus replied, that at the beginning of the, at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. They look at Jesus and they say, wait a minute. What about Moses? Didn't Moses command that a man could give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? And this is where the trap is set. And Jesus avoids the trap by answering the following. Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the very beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. And the disciples looked at him and said, whoa, slow that down a little bit. And literally, this is according to the text, what it says. If this is the situation between a husband and a wife, it's better not to marry. Well, if you read that text literally, it creates all sorts of challenges. It did for my grandparents. My grandparents separated when I was but one year old. 
And for 20 years, they lived apart from each other, refusing to divorce and move on. Why? Because they took this text literally. For them, if either one of them was to remarry, they would be committing adultery. So they willingly chose to remain separate because they were told that this text required that of them. On the other side, my uncle, he chose to remarry after a very difficult marriage. When that took place, my uncle was pleased to remarry, but as in much as he enjoyed his new wife, he carried a great deal of guilt. Towards the end of his life, there were times when I would visit him and he would bring that back up to me about how he had felt guilty and if God would forgive him for remarrying. This text has been used again for a lot of individuals reading it literally. But again, what I find amazing is that the majority of Christians aren't, up, aren't out there picketing or trying to get their legislators to pass laws making divorce illegal. They want to make that illegal when it comes to same-sex marriage, but yet when it comes to divorce, going literally contrary, other than adultery, there shouldn't be, they're just ignoring it. But in 1970, Bill Nelson chose not to ignore it. And instead, he emphasized two different aspects about marriage in his sermon. One of them was the permanence of marriage. Now, back in 1970, there was still a little bit of taboo about getting divorced. It wasn't something that you would flaunt, that you would be making public. It was more hush-hush. It meant that you had failed. But yet, Bill Nelson acknowledged that at times, divorce is a necessity. But yet, that did not stop him from emphasizing the importance of that commitment that a man and a woman or two individuals make. Marriage, in his opinion, nor divorce, was to be rushed into. It was be, to be something that you stopped and truly considered, that you went into with your eyes wide open. Why? Because when you divorce, you are creating a lot of pain. Pain within your own life, pain within your partner's life, as well as pain throughout your community. It, it has this ripple effect, and it has this falling out that takes place. So therefore, he encouraged people to be slow to enter into marriage, and once they were into marriage, to be slow to exit out of marriage. The second direction that he went with this sermon was to talk about the modern images that we have created around marriage. He called these myths. Now again, this was 50 years ago, but I still think they are relevant for today. The first myth that he talks about is the idea of unrealistic expectations. That's where shows like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette come into play. They're not doing us any favors. They create this illusion of what marriage could be, of what romance is. And so there's many people that get caught up in the novelty of marriage rather than the reality of marriage. The, the fact is that when you bring two people together from different lifestyles 
And when you try to make them one, as Jesus talks about them becoming one, it's work. It's not easy. It means struggles. Because each individual comes with their past, their baggage, and they each of them have different lifestyles. They have different preferences. And to meld those together, to bring those together, is really a challenge. That's why it is so important that we are realistic when it comes to marriage. What it really means and that there are differences that exist are something that need to be acknowledged and they need to be worked through. One of the biggest challenges for couples is in the first year and then again in the third year. And it's amazing to me that I think that third year comes into play is because all the facades by then have begun to wear off. By that third year, you pretty know, well know what you got. And a lot of people have buyer's remorse at that point. And so if we go into it with unrealistic expectations, the challenge will be to stay married. And so that is one of the myths, is these unrealistic expectations that marriage is going to be pure bliss. Folks, it's not. And if you're married, you know that's true. The second myth that Bill Nelson talks about is getting married because you're in love. This idea that being in love is good enough a reason to get married. I've asked many couples why they want to get married. And the number one reason that comes back is it's kind of like, well, duh, we want because we love each other. In my mind, I, I really think they do love each other. They think they love each other. But where is that line? Where is the line between being in love and being infatuated with another person? Maybe that's why Bill Nelson said that this is a myth, that we actually marry because of love. Instead, Bill Nelson says that one of the reasons, the reasons why we probably end up getting married is either because of infatuation, we want our personal needs met, and that, oh, that one's true. <laughs> There's been so many, when I ask couples why do they want to get married, one of them typically will re reply, well, they bring the best out of me. It's what I get out of this. And so it's this idea of that I'm getting my needs met. This person is bringing the best out of me. I think other people get married because it's convenient. It's what they're supposed to do, but it's what society or their family expects of them. But I wonder if that's the right reason to get married. I don't know if I agree completely, but Bill Nelson says the following. Two people ought not so much to get married because they love one another, that usually means infatuation, but because they like each other. That's the foundation that Bill Nelson says we ought to build off of. Now, if you can say that true love does exist when you get married, then good for you. But I wonder, I'm not willing to go that far and say that it, people aren't in love, but it does make me wonder is where's is that line between like and love? My wife and I have been married for 37 years. If you had told me at that time that the reason I was getting married was because I was infatuated, I would have looked at you and scoffed at you, said you didn't know what you were talking about. You should mind your own business. But maybe they're right. 
because the love that I have for my wife now is not the same love I had 37 years ago. We have been through so many different experiences. We have been through so many different challenges. Being married has made me aware of the character defects within my life. But it's also helped me grow through those to become a better person. And I think the key is this underlying sense of commitment. Maybe that's what love really is. Harry Steck Sullivan, who is an academic psychologist, says the following. When the satisfaction or security of another person becomes as significant to one as one's own satisfaction or security, then the state of love exists. Folks, that takes a long time to build. It's not something that can happen over a few months and magically occur when you hand someone a rose. Rather, it's something that you build on. Paul Newman said, people stay married because they want to, not because the doors are locked. Isn't that powerful? They stay married because they really want to. They're committed to one another. H. Dean, H. Dean Rutherford, in a letter to his wife on their 59th wedding anniversary, said the following. Once we figured out that we could not change each other, we became free to celebrate ourselves as we are. Wow. That, I think is maybe what Jesus was talking about from the very beginning. It's not a matter of question if it's okay with God or not that one is to get married, but rather it is a sense of commitment that one is makes, and then a willingness to remain true to that commitment. Now, I, along with Bill Nelson, understand that situations arise where it is best for both individuals to go their separate ways. I get that. I support that. But I do think that we need to pull back and look a little clearer beyond all the novelty and the romance that is put out there by the inter entertainment industry saying this is what marriage is like. And to go into it or stay within it because of your commitment to that other individual even when it sucks. Why? Because we grow. We grow through those kinds of commitments. Think about these things as we take a small break and we return for our dialogue.
So, has marriage changed in 50 years? I don't know. I, I the was institution only, I was of only, marriage. It sounds like it has. Um... No, nah, what do you mean by that? The institution of marriage has changed. I mean, you you still have to go in. You have to get a, a marriage license. It's mm-hmm. so I don't know if it's in that way. I don't think it. I don't know if it's changed. Okay, the intention has that changed? I honestly don't know the answer to that. I don't. I mean, I would be speculating hmm. because I I don't know what people's intentions are. I don't know if they enter marriage be, uh, with the intent if they are kind of caught up in the I think maybe some but I don't know what the percentage is on that so you personally Mm -hmm. um, having couples come into you for uh, marriage counseling right or whatever what is it called when before you get married Um, I used to do it a lot I used to do Mm -hmm. premarital counseling premarital yeah premarital counseling used to do a lot of it okay so and then you know what happened yeah what's the difference between when you started and how it's done now well, I had, a, I had a minister tell me one time, he said, uh, I never do premarital counseling. And I said, why? <laughs> and he says, it doesn't work. It doesn't help. He <laughs> said, they're going to get ma- married no matter what. And I think <laughs> he was true. right. It's I mean, true. you can go through that. And I mean, all premarital counseling, in my opinion, was, was basically trying to help them learn how to communicate to each other, they, how to dialogue, how to talk about differences. Wow. But other than that, I didn't have any grand wisdom that I was imparting on them. So no, now <laughs> if a couple wants it, I'll yeah. do it, but I don't require it because I, they're going to get married. Only okay. once in all my years as a minister, only once mm-hmm. ha- did I refuse to do a wedding. Why did you refuse? Um, it was obvious to me that they were <laughs> not <laughs> meant for each other. <laughs> Really? And you know what? They went ahead and got married. They found another minister. They got married. Oh. And so I don't know if I made the right decision. Maybe I should have married them. So you took them through premarital counseling and you were like, nope. Yeah, but, but this was like 20 some years ago. So I was mm. I was young, dumb, and naive. <laughs> <laughs> well, how would that, if you had done the marriage, I mean the ceremony, right? how would that have reflected on you? Like, why, we, why did you refuse? Because I was young, dumb, and naive. I, at that point, I thought, you yeah, know, this isn't going to work. They're not meant for each other. And I, it was a mistake, and I made it. How did you know they weren't meant for each other? Um, just the way they dealt in their communication with each other, the way they talked to each other, their, their perceptions of what marriage was and what they expected from each other. I thought, ooh, this doesn't sound good. <laughs> So couples, married couples have a, a special way to communicate? No, I think it's any interpersonal communication. And I think as but a... But this a, one in I, particular holds so a, much yes. weight. And that's why I think it's so important that we learn interpersonal communication. Mm-hmm. And probably one of the greatest places to practice it is in a committed relationship. I mean, think about how, <laughs> how much discord exists and how much people end up yelling at each other rather than communicating with each other. Yes. Marriage gives you a really good, I mean, it gives you literally hours out of your day to communicate with this other person and yeah. hone your skills. <laughs> it's a debate. 
And yet, how many people don't? <laughs> a lifetime of debate. How many, yeah, but how many people don't hone those skills? How, how many, you know, practice the uh-huh. sense of being radically honest with the other person, being willing to, to listen to one another, not to make assumptions about how the other person is feeling or what they're thinking. I mean, all of those yeah. go into play to create Very true. a great sense of communication between two people. And if we can practice it in marriage, then maybe we would do it and be more effective in the larger public realm as we talk with other people. Possibly. Why do you say possibly? You have, you well, sounds like you have because, doubts. Well, for me, I'm thinking about when I first got married. Mm-hmm. If I had listened to the Bible, for me, the Bible is, there's not emotional connection in all the stories. It's very, it's about reproduction and it's, it's arranged. There's no romance. Like, not a lot. Not a lot. Not a lot, yes. The, yeah. So if I had based it on that, I don't think I would have gotten married. <laughs> like, so why, why, so I why need did that you, Holly, Hollywood element. Why I did you get married? I need that romance. I need that, that myth, if you want to call it that. Huh, interesting. So, you, so why did you get married? Deep friendship. Deep friendship. How mm-hmm. long had you been together? Oh, about four years. Okay. Yeah, five. So deep friendship. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have this kind of friendship with anyone else? None of your girlfriends, none of your no. other... No, absolutely not. This was not. just no. with this one person. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's and it just was the logical thing to do, actually. Oh, all of a sudden, that's See? interesting. Yeah. That's really... So, like, oh, no, that's wait, 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 wait. Time out, time out, thing. time you out. Get, <laughs> you go to high school, you go to college, and then you have you get married, and then you have the kids. Yeah, but you just got done la, saying la, 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 it's la. all about romance, and you want to oh, get I made it that an way. emotion. And then you just said it was the logical <laughs> thing to do. Well, but back then it was. So isn't that, I mean, and I think that's where Nelson might be right, mm-hmm. is this idea that if we think that marriage, you go into marriage because you love this person, you can't live without this person, then maybe it, your eyes aren't wide open. Maybe reason and logic need to come along with our emotions for the ride rather than just emotions steering the bus all by itself. Oh, I can't have that. But you just said it. <sighs> I mean, Karen and I got married. Yeah. We'd been dating three years. We got married because it was convenient. And I wanted to go to school in Tennessee, was living in California at the time, and I didn't want to leave her behind. And if I'm honest, um, I grew up very fundamental. Yeah. and. I wanted to have sex uh-huh. because sex outside of marriage was a sin. So I wasn't going to sin. <laughs> so, so let's just do. Yeah. And, and how many oh young. Oh my gosh. No, but I wasn't alone. I, there, I'm sure you were. There are many conservative Christians who aren't getting, who are getting married because they want to have sexual intercourse. Now they may be technical virgins, which means they do everything but actual intercourse. Yeah. Because, and they save that for marriage. And again, Christians and our society are really still hung up on this whole idea of virginity. What is or is not virginity? Yeah. But yet we miss out on this deeper sense of being committed to each other. Hmm. Interesting. 
And I think that's, that's the challenge. Is be, I mean, come on, let's be honest with each other, Janelle. What? It's, it's not easy being married at times. Oh my gosh, no. It's work. Yeah. It is work. Yeah. Especially when the in-laws become a factor. <laughs> you do know that we're <laughs> recording this. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> but it's, it's more than just in-laws. It's, it's having children. It's, yeah. It's, and, and think about over the 27 years you've been married. You are probably not 26. the... 26 years you've been married. So you, think about it. You are not the person that you were 26 years ago. Yes, I am. And I, I, he's oh, changed. Oh, come on. <laughs> because I changed him. Yeah. <laughs> no. You know why they get, you know not. why they get married at an altar? No. Why? Because one, one partner is always thinking, I will alter you. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah, but. I spent many years trying. Yeah. yeah no. But the thing is, but the reality is he changed, you changed. Yeah. And you changed. Together. Yeah. And you had to adjust. You were continually mm -hmm. adjusting to one another. I think it's so easy, though, not to flow with the change. Like, I don't agree with, yeah, staying in a marriage. Like, who, who was it? Your grandparents? Yeah. Like, I. I 20 years. Yeah. They were, they, they were separated, but neither one of them remarried. They, neither one of them dated. And it was all because they were afraid of losing their eternal salvation. Mm, wow. And that's because the way they read the Bible. And again, to me, that's another issue that, that I have personally at times with when it comes to how we read the Bible Mm -hmm. I mean, people are using the Bible to talk about abortion and homosexuality and sex right. outside of marriage. Right. And yet this text, if you want to take it literally, it's, but yet if you think about it, the majority of Christians are included in that statistic of 50%. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, well, that text, well, we shouldn't maybe take it as literal or... And, and, we, and we do weird things. And that's why it's frustrating to me because I listen to when same-sex marriage, you know, the last 10, 20 years, and there were Christians who supported same-sex marriage, mm -hmm. and they were using the Bible and trying to look at these texts that, that people in the LGBTQ community were getting beat up with. Yeah. And they were trying to say, well, no, it means this and that. Rather than just saying, look, you know, this is what they believed in the past. We know different now. We see things different. Yeah. And I think you could Agreed. say the same thing about divorce. How women were viewed in marriage is different back then as it is to today. But yet mm -hmm. we pick and choose where we want to enforce the Bible versus when we yeah, are going to kind of, a kind of wink at it. And divorce and remarriage is pretty clear in there. And do, do I support divorce Yeah. when it's needed? Yeah. Yes. Right. Because there are people that are living in, in abusive relationships, sexually, physically, emotionally, verbal, mm -hmm. and it's not healthy for them or their family for them to remain married. Yeah, so now that we're in the 21st century, I guess the Bible no longer applies. Well, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say this, but 
Yeah, who cares? Um, <laughs> personally, I, I think it would be advantageous mm -hmm. to take away the power of clergy to do marriages. Oh. I think Why? It I think it should be just a legal... Mm -hmm. um, that's what it is. Well, that's, you can. I mean, that's right. happens. But no, I mean, it is a legal document you are going down to the courthouse and getting and filling out. Mm -hmm. And then when a minister does the wedding, they sign their name and they send it back to the courthouse. What I would say is ministers should no longer be allowed to sign those documents. Mm. It should be done by the court. They are the ones who recognize the marriage. They are the ones who get off, who give you the marriage license. Yeah, legally. Yes, and then. But spiritually. And yes, and then you can have a wedding ceremony. Uh -huh. You can have a blessing ceremony uh -huh. in the church where you spiritually recognize this commitment that they're making to each other. It would all this whole same-sex marriage stuff would go away. Because churches would could decide if they were going to bless or not bless a marriage. I mean, if we're well, really looking at it, that's ministers wouldn't have to do it because they couldn't do it. I don't know. That's just smart where at times... Okay, so you're saying the whole idea of uh, consecrating it before God, isn't that what the minister's role is in, in the whole ceremony? Ideally, I, I I guess that's the the, like what, the perception. Did you, okay, I I forget. But when we got married, we had a marriage certificate, and yes. our the pastor signed it. Yes. But then it also is signed by the court. They are the ones that issue it. They're the ones that issue it. Yes. So it's and not legal clerk, and binding unless there's a clergy signature on. Or a clergy or someone from the court, a judge can do it. Okay. But otherwise, no, that, that document is not binding until it's been signed and, and brought back in. So the government is also saying it has to be consecrated. No, the government allows it. No, because, oh. because there are officiants who are humanists, who are atheists, mm -hmm. and they perform weddings all the time. So it's not limited to just clergy. What I would do is, again, I would just say that the government should say, look, mm -hmm. this is a legal binding document. Yeah. We'll do it. And then uh, give the freedom to churches to decide how they're going to recognize that, as you said, before God and before the hmm. larger community. Let them decide that. But somehow we still are bringing together church and state when it comes to yeah, marriage. Yeah, exactly. We bring them together. We do. <laughs> Even though, the... <laughs> okay. And yeah. what's amazing is, is we have a ceremony for <laughs> marriage, but the church does nothing when it comes to divorce. Divorce. Yeah, but ceremony, mm. what would that look like? That's a great question. Huh. And it, I, yeah, because right, because we still <laughs> don't know. We still have this ideal that is, you know, thousands of years old. Uh -huh. That this idea that these people believe that it was God who created male and female, and brought them together so they could be married. 
They could binary. become one. This is so binary exactly. and entrenched and gender inequality and the whole thing. Exactly. And that's where it still is today. Now, <laughs> we could argue about the pros and cons of that, but the reality is it's still rooted in a very Judeo-Christian ideas around marriage. Yes, now, very true. There are people that get married all the time who mm -hmm. are not even religious, and they have successful marriages. True. So there is more to this than just religion. It's and that's what I love about this monologue mm -hmm. was that is there's underlying sense of commitment, and that commitment, if you are Christian or you were religious, if that commitment is is enhanced because of that, mm -hmm. bravo. <laughs> But for some people, they don't need that. Wow. Uh, they don't. It they... just seems so cold. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> why, why, why do you say that? Why do you think it's cold? Well, I'm thinking about, yeah, the whole, okay. So I've mentioned before that um, I adopted our, our daughter from China. Mm -hmm. And over there, they have quite a, crisis going on because of the social engineering that they did uh, for the one child policy. Right. They have like, what is it? 30 million men now that are trying or having difficulty finding a bride. Because there's not enough women. There's not enough women. Wow. <laughs> so then it makes me think, what is the real reason for marriage? I don't know. Culturally, what are they going to do? Yeah, and how will they continue to, and maybe, I, yeah, but I think one of the reasons was because of population control. Right. And yet, on the other side, you look at what's happening here, and we are having less children. Be it married, people We're are, having less marriages. The whole and, rate of marriages declined. And we're having, yeah, and we're having less individuals who are having children, either mm -hmm. inside or outside of marriage. True. So, so yeah, I, I think we're seeing a, a, a shift. A shift. And as this shift occurs, the tendency is to, if you don't like change, to keep it the way it was. Mm -hmm. I, I think when we realize, if you, if you believe in, in evolution in some form, then you have this idea that we evolve and we procreate mm -hmm. to survive as a species. Yeah. Now... On the other side, I believe that one of the, I mean, we know that individuals who are married have a higher satisfaction than those that are just living together. Studies have shown that. Okay, I don't know that. Yeah, studies show that. I think it was like 51% of people are satisfied wow. if they're married. It's like 40, 41% if they are just um, living together. Cohabitating. Cohabitating, right. So that, that comes into play. Hmm. People that are married have more have sex more often than those people that don't. Hmm. I mean, there you can continue to go down the list of things that that exist and benefit from being married. For me, one of the biggest ones is it's a maturing factor. It, it, mm -hmm. You you have to learn how to get along when you're living with someone. Right. You have to learn how to negotiate things, and if you can do that in the in the home environment, in a marriage, yeah, then maybe it will have this larger effect upon how we work with other people. And somehow calling it marriage, 
it's marriage because of this commitment you've made to each other. And it's a commitment that is made between two people and the largest society hopefully respects it. So it's just a recognition thing. Yeah, it's a way of saying, look, these two individuals are committed to each other. Right. Now, if they have chose in their relationship to be monogamous, then I think the larger mm -hmm. society needs to respect that. Yes. And I, that... What if they've chosen to be polygamous? Well, that raises all sorts of different ethical questions, doesn't it? <laughs> well, there's there's models out there now for that. Well, and in the Old Testament, there's plenty of models yes. of that. <laughs> exactly. So what? what? Yeah, I, I think, again, it goes back to a whole understanding of marriage through a Judeo-Christian lens. Traditional mm -hmm. versus continuing to look at it in, like you were saying, from the 21st century. Mm-hmm. And I think there are some individuals that would say that anything other than what has been would be wrong. And there's other individuals who want to throw it all out. And I think there's the answer is somewhere in between. You know, when you have two consenting adults who enter into relationship, I think it's up to them to make those decisions. However, mm -hmm. this, is, this is just my opinion. I don't know how many of us are mo emotionally mature enough yeah. to handle a non-traditional monogamous relationship. Non-traditional monogamous. Right. How many people can handle a non-traditional, um, anything outside of a non-traditional, I mean, a traditional monogamous relationship? I said that wrong. Okay, yeah. I was yeah. <laughs> A traditional I mon mon monogamous relationship. I, I don't know how many people can okay. really deal can deal with that because of the emotional maturity that comes into play. Right, and it, it's just it's society. It's it's a sin. Like I think that's the again. It goes back to that whole Judeo Christian. The thing is, we, the majority of people don't practice monogamy. The majority of people, married people? The majority of people do not practice monogamy. If Unmarried 50, or married? It doesn't matter. 50% <laughs> of people divorce, which means there's a very good likelihood that they remarry. Uh -huh. And as soon as you remarry, you're no longer monogamous. Okay, gotcha. Right? Because you've yes. been married to more than one person. It doesn't necessarily... Monogamy doesn't... It, it can be seen in a larger sense of that you can have doesn't mean you have to be married all at the same time. You could literally be polygamous that you have many different marriages. Uh, it's just... Yes. Yeah. And so it, it, it's a way that we deal with our comfort level. I, what I don't want people to walk away from by listening to this podcast mm. is I don't want them to walk away thinking we don't, we're downplaying the value of marriage. I mean, to me, okay. marriage... Right is a stabilizing factor in mm -hmm. our society. Uh -huh. It's a stabilizing factor in people's lives. Yes. I think it's a way in which people can grow in their life. And I think it can enhance the quality of our society when it's done Agreed. well. Agreed. Yes. So. But then how do we find that rule book? Like, I don't think there's a rule book. I well, think it's. I hate calling it rules. Um, I think it's just this. Modeling it? Yeah. And that's what we should be doing it. Yes. You know, I mean, you've been married 26 years. I've been married 37. And my parents have been married 51. Yeah. And, and 
that there's something there about that we as a society can learn both pros and cons from. Mm-hmm. Because there are yeah. some marriages that are have been married that long, and it's purely for convenience, but it works for them. So who am I yeah. to point the finger at them? I I, no. I used to look at marriages where the couples, and it was like, man, they looked they they looked seem so unhappy. They verbally said they were unhappy, but they they <laughs> remained married. And I was like, man, Why? if that ever happens to me, I ain't staying married. And oh then my. I and then I stepped back and I realized I thought, you know what? There's they've got their reasons, and who am yeah. I to judge? Who am I to judge those? But I I really have to I think the institution's kind of going away. I don't know. And I don't know if that's bad or good. I there's the traditional conservative part of me that would say, I hope it doesn't. Yeah. But yet at the same time, I think as human beings, we may come up with something that may be just as valuable to our society. Hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to to dig in my heels and No. No, I think we've Well that's good. You've learned not to dig in your heels. I well, wonder how you learned that. Well, Maybe through marriage? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well and, and not only that, but I think Janelle, it goes back to age. You know, the more I, I had an individual tell me one time, they said uh sanctification has nothing the, to do with the holy spirit or god okay why it's, it's just ma- it's just maturing it's just getting older you see life differently you've had these experiences now i'm not going to argue one way or the other but i thought it was really interesting that hmm. that the older we get yeah the more experiences we have we realize life can be pretty non-binary if you would there's a lot out there that oh, we right. just, There's we don't a lot know. Of gray. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, Janelle, thank you for uh, challenging my thoughts, my ideas. Oh, sure. And Both I, ways. And I thank you also for having been a part of Monodia. If you found something in here intriguing, interesting, and you would like to reply, share your insights, please feel free to do that. And Janelle, where can they email us? Oh, that's media at beatitudeschurch.org. And if you want to reply either through Facebook or wherever you listen to your podcast, we would be more than willing to respond to your insights or questions that you have. But between now and the next two weeks, I hope you take care of yourself, that you stay safe out there, and enjoy your life. Take care.